Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special, Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. It's the Thursday 10. We will get to your questions as the playoffs kick off this weekend finally. And the Eagles await their divisional round opponent. But first, Benjamin, got some big news to share. I don't know if people knew this, but the, when the Philly special launched, of course, the Ringer brought on Cliff. But he was a, you know, in a freelance role. They were probably unsure, like, Shield and Ben, they might, are they going to last? Yeah. Like, this this might be a complete disaster. Like, we don't need to uh, give a full-time producer to them right now. But the podcast has lasted. A big reason for that is producer Cliff Augustine. And today, we can announce that The Ringer has brought Cliff on as a full-time producer of The Ringer's Philly Special. Cliff, give it up, my friend. Man, I, I can't thank y'all enough. First of all, as a... As an Elkins Park native, as an Abington grad, as a Temple grad, I've been a sports fan, a Philly sports fan since long, as long as I can remember. And honestly, man, it's an honor that I was just chosen for this. It's a blessing, man, for real. And yo, you guys are the best, man. I love working with y'all, honestly. I love talking with y'all in the, in the Eagles chat. We talk all the time about, you know, a bunch of stupid <laughs> things like today. You know, for instance, like everybody's always, why does Ben have these opinions? Why? Everybody's always, man. Everybody's always angry at Ben. And, uh, you know, Shil, you've been a long time. Philadelphia reporter and obviously you got a great reputation around the city so super super dope to get that stamp approval from y'all so man I appreciate it so much honestly I love it. So this is going to mean uh, obviously more Cliff. The people have asked for more Cliff. We didn't full time freelance. It didn't matter. It was going to be more Cliff. But 
I don't think the people want me, man. I don't think the people want me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think you're wrong. That's the most yeah. requested uh, piece of feedback we get. But no, congrats again. Uh, Cliff has been, you know, from day one, just working nonstop. Anytime Ben and I ask, hey, can we do it this day, this time? He's working another job. He's making it happen. Uh, the Phillies podcast, you know, you're doing Phillies at night, Sixers today, Eagles the next. Day. Shout out to no, Christian Raheem too, man. Shout out to Christian yeah. Raheem too. Yeah, they, they've been super, super dope the whole time. We talk all the time about the Sixers and stuff like that. Obviously, there's more Sixers game than Eagles game, so we all yeah. we're always in the Glen. We call it the Glen Chat, obviously, because we can't call Doctor Doc. <laughs> so we call it right, the, the Glen Chat. We call it the Glen Chat. So shout out to them too, man. They've been super dope the whole time, and I can't wait to ramp till that ramps up too. And then you can hop on, Shield. I know you. I know you love this. That's season. right. Once the Seagull yeah. season's over, I'll be fired up. I had that. I, I don't get Sixers the draft. I don't get. I don't get Sixers local games often, but I get Detroit. And yeah. so I very much enjoyed watching that game. That was a good time. I had a, and Bede's back. Maxie's looking good. 30-point win. I had a good night watching the Sixers. While Ben's locked into the NFL draft, the Eagles obviously have the number 10 pick. We got to figure out what they're going to do with that. So yeah, I know. We got a big offseason. We got a huge offseason. So we're going to keep it rolling through the whole offseason. And uh, we're going to keep it moving. Give Philly what they want, right? There you go. I love it. All right. That, that, that's great. Great to, great to lead the pod with that huge news. We got the Thursday 10 today. I got a couple of these. I said, Cliff, I need your help on these. So we'll get back to Cliff certainly uh, later in the pod with some of these questions. We couldn't think of a hashtag, Ben, for these. And then Big Sean Dub, loyal listener, said, why is it the hashtag just Ringer Philly? I was like, yeah, some of the, you know, a lot of times you feel really stupid with stuff. That was definitely one of them. Ring that was when we were trying to name the pod, and we came up with that right. in three seconds. <laughs> then we spent another week trying to think of something else. Yes, that, that's right. So, uh, listen, going forward, if you have a question for the pod, just hashtag it Ring or Philly, and I'll just check that before every mailbag podcast, and that way we will know uh, what your questions are. Let's get it started. It's playoff week, baby. There's no Eagles game, but it is NFL playoffs. Sean says... Love the show, guys. How would you rank the potential playoff opponents for the Eagles? Rank them from the team you'd most want to play to the team you'd least want to play. Uh, there were other similar questions. One asked mm-hmm. for the ultimate rooting guide. What do you got, Ben? I know we touched on this certainly on Sunday, but, you know, opinions yeah. change throughout the week. So uh, how are you feeling about the potential opponents? NFC. You're rooting for yeah. the seven seed Seahawks, upset of the century, Geno, baby. Getting the Niners out of the playoff picture would be incredible for the Eagles. Uh, so you're rooting for, the, for Geno and the Seahawks there. Six seed, I think you're still rooting for the Giants. Like the, I would feel good about playing either, but the Giants just do lack talent, right? You don't have to solve the Justin Jefferson problem when you're facing them. So I think you're rooting for the Giants. And then in that Bucks cowboys game, I'm rooting for the Bucs. Like, even though they're the higher seed, I think they're clearly the worst team. And I don't really want to have to deal with the Cowboys third time. I'd rather see the Bucks for the first time and exercise some of those playoff demons too. I think that's a good, uh, it's kind of a good, you know, uh, a little, little, little check-in for how this team has grown over the last year. NFC, or excuse me, AFC, uh, just, there's no, there's no good option. If you can get Skylar Thompson's Dolphins through the playoffs, sure, but I don't think you can. Um, whoever they get out of the AFC is going to be really tough. There's no Super Bowl run where I look at like, you know, if they get any of Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, like, it's just it's just elite quarterback, elite quarterback, elite quarterback, elite quarterback. You're going to get one of those guys. So the rooting guide ends at the NFC. AFC is going to be a dogfight no matter whom you get. AFC, I would say if you could, if you can avoid uh, Mahomes or Allen, that's like a home run. Yeah, for, that's unbelievable. 
for the for the Super Bowl. That's best case scenario. I don't know that you'll be able to do that. But Burrow, at least you've got the O line injuries, and I think that Chargers team is a a fraud. Even though I like uh, Justin Herbert a lot, uh, I I would like the Eagles' chances big time against that Chargers team. NFC, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, I've got the ranking now. You would rather face the Seahawks over the Giants, definitely. Because I thought that was tough for me. I think I might rather yeah. face the Giants just from a talent perspective. You don't have a DK. You don't have a Tyler Lockett. You don't have a Tariq Woolen. And, you know, Pete, yeah, I know Brian Dayball's had a great year, but Pete Carroll's going to have that team fired up mm-hmm. in an underdog role. So now I actually have the I, Giants yeah. as the team I would most like to face and then the Seahawks. I don't, like, the reason why, I, like, the Giants-Vikings to me is tricky because... You could easily make the case yeah. Vikings should be one yeah. on this list yeah it the thing about the giants that makes them hard for me to place is that i really 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 want to play that offense which is really weird in the modern nfl playoffs usually every offense is good every offense is dangerous every offense has got a problem i'd love to play that giants offense give me that giants offense any day of the week there's just make sure you tackle daniel jones when he gets outside of the pocket boom okay we're good like you know it's it's it's, it's really rather toothless i don't want to play that giants defense that like the 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 blitzing and the cover zero and the and the chaos that has given hurts problems before right and like problems is a relative term given how well he's played this season that's what the giants bring whereas like the vikings and the seahawks man you're gonna get light boxes you're gonna get good run looks you're gonna get seven in coverage you're gonna get zone you can get everything that the eagles have beaten so well over the course of this season uh, and so it's tricky i i want to face that seahawks defense i think that puts them a little bit more preferable than the Giants for me, but Seahawks, Vikings, Giants, to me is all a good, I feel great about all of those round one matchups. There's yeah. a little bit, some differences here and there as to what I feel about them, but overall I feel good about them, which means nightmare scenario is uh, Vikings win and Niners win and then the Cowboys win and then you're, you're stuck facing the Cowboys. Pretty much the only the only scenario I don't like coming out of wild card round is the two seed, the three seed, and the five seed win. Niners, Vikings, and Cowboys, and Eagles have to face the Cowboys. Other than that, if they're getting the four seed bucks, six seed, uh, 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 Giants, seven seed, Seahawks, I feel good. Yeah, those are all the favorites, but all the favorites don't you typically do not win. So you're probably yeah. not going to face that. But uh, now the other question, I'm with you on the Bucks. Uh, I don't think the Bucks are a good team. I will not be scared of the Bucks. I will not be uh, kissing the ring and showing uh, them the proper respect if they are coming to Philadelphia in the divisional round. I could be wrong about that, but that's just how I feel. Cowboys and Niners is a tough one. I flip-flopped on this. I know you think that the 49ers are definitely the tougher matchup. Uh, I sort of feel like I still might lean Cowboys just because, I mean, I feel like one one of these games, Brock Purdy is not, Ken, is he really going to go on like an eight-game run? I know. He keeps doing it every I week. Was I was having I this conversation with, uh, with Lindsay the other day where it was like, if the Eagles can just window the Brock Purdy crash <laughs> that is inevitable, it right. scientifically has to happen. Did yeah. you know that, I, I, I saw this today, he leads the league in completion percentage on throws more than 10 yards down the field since he became the starter. Wow. It's what the stats <laughs> are crazy. Yeah. They're, they're second in EPA per play since, uh, when, when he's been on the field in the entire NFL behind right. only the chiefs, his individual statistics are pretty much the same yeah. or a little bit better than Garoppolo. It's, can it it's last? so, it's so folsy. It's so 2017 folsy right down to the like razor's edge, uber confidence. Why are you throwing this ball? Like he yeah. just is windowing tight window stuff. We're like, who do you think you are, dude? Like, it was like, when Foles would make some of these throws, you'd be like, are you paying? Like, stop it. Yeah. That's, it's the same thing with Brock. So I, I hear you. 
I would say the Niners roster, like take quarterback out of the equation, Niners roster versus Cowboys roster is not even close. So now it's a question of like, you know, what does Shanahan do for Bur- Purdy? What does Dak have to do for Kellen Moore? And kind of trying to figure out that calculus. But the, the Niners roster, you know, uh, makes, makes my bones shake. They're just so talented everywhere besides quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be different type games. If you lose to the Niners, it's going to be because that defense shut you down and made you look terrible for the most part. If you lose to the Cowboys, it's because Dak is picking apart uh, that defense like he did the last time they played. So it will be very yeah. different. I'm on the fence, but I still think I would rather take my chances with a Purdy at the link in the championship round than that Cowboys team. So we'll see. But yes, your, your rooting guide is absolutely right. You root for the Seahawks. You root for the, I mean, Giants, Vikings, I don't, you root for the Giants because that would be the team you would play first. Uh, and then yeah. you want to root for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that Monday night game. All right. Number two, Mount Airy SL says, how will Hertz's injury affect the zone read aspect of the running game in the playoffs? Won't teams employ the bear strategy that got Hertz injured in the first place, crash down on the RB every time, forcing Hertz to tuck it and live with the results. So since we spoke Sunday, we had Sirianni's comments on Sunday, and then he kind of doubled down on it even some more. Like Hertz, you know, and we got Hertz's comments that, yeah, he was really playing through a lot of pain uh, in that game. The shoulder is not 100%. And so now it plants some seeds of doubt about just what's this offense going to look like when they play in the divisional round. Like, it's the playoffs, you know, you don't like, like that game they played against the Giants was a preseason game plan. You're going from that to a playoffs game plan. So I would think that you're going to be using Jalen Hurts in the run game. But if you're concerned about that shoulder, maybe you're employing more straight handoffs. Maybe it's more RPO, less zone read. But I do agree with the premise that defenses are going to be aggressive. Defenses are going to say, all right, Hurts, let's see how that shoulder is. Keep the ball yeah. and we're going to come after you. So uh, I do I do agree with, with what he's saying. What do you think? First thing I'm, uh, first thing I'm doing on the defensive side of the ball is I'm, I'm, I'm heat checking how comfortable he is getting hurt and how comfortable the opposing coaching staff is with him getting hit. Right. Like the the moment the Eagles walk out and they have one of their like zone read looks up, right, where they're in shotgun, they got the back to one side, they got the tight end offset, right? I'm blitzing the back side. I'm sending two guys off the edge, right? One of you go to the back, the other one hit Jalen. Hit him. And like, you know, let's let's be honest about the reality of football. There will be a a edict in the linebacker room, an edict from the linebacker coach, an edict from the defense coordinator, hit him. Right, like it's not like a bounty situation. It's just like we're gonna we're gonna light them up. We want yeah, we want to make some contact. Yeah. yeah, that's that's part of the game. We want to see how much they're gonna feel comfortable with this. We want to see if we can put pressure on them to not play this way. So that's that is the number one thing to to watch for is what Jalen looks like the first time he pulls the ball. How often he's pulling the ball on things that are reads. Like if he gets a a keep read, is he actually keeping it or is he putting it in the belly of the back and then leaving it there? Uh, how quick does it come up off the field? And what is the Eagles play calling? How does it change afterward? It's the number one thing that like the, the, the first job that whoever DC they get in the divisional round will be by the end of the first quarter. I want to know how comfortable they are running him. And I want to know if, if, if I can scare them out of it. And then that'll affect my game plan for the next three quarters. Narrative number one. Yeah, I think these next, you know, this week specifically, I guess next week you're game planning for an opponent. But this week, those are the two things. I, I, If I'm the Eagles, I say, what's our plan if we don't want to use, and they know more about his injury than we do, if we don't aren't comfortable using Hurts as a runner in the designed mm-hmm. run game, 
what are we going to do instead? You know, if, if, if that's going to be Jed, a problem. They got to start. That's the thing that they don't do that other offenses do that I don't understand is they don't run jet touches, right? Like you watch the Packers-Lions game, right? They'll give to Christian Watson, give to Alan Lazar, give to Monroe St. Brown. They love to like, like put the jet receiver in motion and actually give it to him. That's like the constraint, right? Eagles never do it. And that's if I'm trying to get the ball out of Hertz's hands, I'm running Quez across the formation and I'm just boop, a little jet touch pass. And I'm seeing if I can if I can create reads that way as opposed to letting Jalen keep it. Of course, then we will be ripping them for getting Quez touches uh, after after the game. But I hear what you're saying. I hear if what he you're saying theoretically. A, if he can't be a useful jet touch player, you finish the sentence. Like I well, don't know what he's bringing. Well, uh, I do. The part I agree with about is yes, the touch pass. I want that going forward in the event that the ball hits the ground, that it's yeah. not a that it's not a fumble, that it's an incomplete pass. So that's one. And then the other thing is, I do think. I mean, I don't want to take too much from that Giants game, but the Giants did generate a lot of free rushers. I mean, when the Eagles were going to uh, empty and they were kind of gaming some stuff up front, where you know they would crowd the line of scrimmage and then they would only have uh, four rush or they would have five rush, but you didn't know which five. And there were a lot of free rushers getting after Jalen Hurts in the blitz conversation is one we've had all season long. If you just look at it statistically, that is an area where I think Hertz is around 19th or 20th. If you look at yeah. EPA per play success rate, it's not like it's been a complete disaster. There have been moments where we say, wow, they did a great job, but there have been moments where we say, you know, you would kind of hope for a little bit more. And I think the most likely scenario in the playoffs is that teams are going to be aggressive and, as we just said, come after him. And so I think those are kind of the two things I would like to see them uh, think about this week, work on this week before they know who their opponent is. All right. Question number three. Dane is, and others also had a similar uh, question here. PFF named TJ Edwards, a first team all pro Benjamin. How many guys would you have ranked above him? He jokes if you have time to count that high. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't <laughs> joke. I don't know. And how would you justify him being on the first team if you were forced to argue that side in a debate? See, Dane is uh, teaches at Wharton, so he has this subtle way of asking it. How would you justify him being on the right. first team if you were forced to argue that side in a debate? So I, that's why I chose his over some of the other ones that had similar premises. I feel like I got to hang out with Dennis. I feel like Dennis and I have a good time. I almost, I was, Penn was, I was between two schools. Penn was the other one. I almost, I almost really? ended up oh, Yeah. I loved you know. touring it. It was great. Um, okay. I should have said flex, by the way. Flex. Yeah, I mean. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think about that. Uh, okay. Count for me. Um, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Levante David, Demario Davis, uh, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, I said Drake Greenlaw, right? Yeah, Roquan yeah. Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, C.J. Mosley. You already said Edmonds, but okay. Eight. Okay. I think so, I'm at around eight. This could be wrong, eight. but we'll get a ballpark. Eric Kendricks, probably Quincy Williams, probably Bobby Okereke, probably Jordan Brooks. But we're kind of like David Long for sure. We're, yeah, so we're, I think we're about 13. his area now. So yeah, yeah put put, put him yeah put him in like yeah. Once I start getting to the probabilities, like he's in that tier, right? Jermaine Pratt, um, yeah. So put him at like you know fourteen, fifteen. That's where I put Edwards. I don't think. I mean, think about it. Before the season, we said T.J. Edwards was going to be a top fifteen off ball linebacker. You, I think most yeah. people would be like, sweet, great, re great right. result. You know, that's that's uh, that's nice. So yeah, I don't agree that he's a first. I mean, first team All Pro. I would not have him there. I would put him as a, I mean, I don't have an issue with your range. Now I wasn't like, you know, thinking about every guy you mentioned and thinking would I take him or TJ Edwards, but in my head, I have TJ Edwards has emerged into an above average off ball 
linebacker. I don't, I'm not going to put him in yeah. the elite category with, you know, the, the Fred Warners and the Demario Davises of the world. But I, I think once you get kind of below that and it depends on scheme and what you're asking them to do and how much you can uh, accentuate strengths and hide weaknesses, I don't think that's like an unf- unfair categorization uh, from you. I, I honestly thought you were going to have him much lower than that when I saw the, when I saw this question. So um, he, yeah. he's he's been a nice surprise this year. Sixth among among linebackers and tackles, sixth in solo tackles. Uh, his ten tackles for loss are top ten among off-ball linebackers, and so I think he's a good starting linebacker. Yeah. We'll have the conversation after the season about. What's what's he worth to you? What number would you go to to keep him? But uh, I don't think that's an unfair characterization. Yeah. How would you make I, the argument, though, yeah. uh, to answer the second part of the question? So that's the thing. Well, right, to, to, to put a bow on what you said, the Eagles tried this, right? They said, okay, Nate Gary, safety string linebacker, this is going to be cool, and it like didn't work. They gave him an opportunity to win the job, and he didn't. And then Alex Singleton, like undrafted free agent, CFL, right? Like, you know, like he's got a lot of tackles. Like, let's see if we're going to do it. They got TJ Edwards, undrafted free agent. This is what they've been doing, right? They've been cycling. Like, Sean Bradley, they, you know, just been cycling guys to see, like, can we get a guy to land at Mike without investing in the position? With TJ, they got him. Like, they did not get over the bar with Gary. They did not get over the bar with Singleton. They got over the bar with Edwards. He's he's clearly, the, the like, the caliber of player that they need for the defense to succeed. Just because they got over that bar, the Howie Roseman, can I pour no resources into linebacker and get a starter bar, doesn't mean Edwards is, like, elite, right? That's the thing is you you the, the shades of gray, right? Like, Edwards is better than we thought he was going to be, much better than last season, much more athletic. Like, he's, he's cut weight. This, this is, he's a better player than he was. He's gotten over the bar. But he's not like, he, we're, we're, there are linebackers drafted first round, second round, third round that are just, they got more than he does in terms of like movement skills and athleticism, recognition, experience, so on and so forth. Um, if you are to make the case though, it's uh, in a defense that, that asks for a lot of horizontal stretch from their linebackers, Edwards has sideline to sideline rage, sideline to sideline influence. He has the experience and the toughness to get between the tackles and make a solid play. He has the explosiveness to get outside of the tackles and make a play at or near the line of scrimmage. Impact performance, right? Generating TFLs. Uh, and he's he stays on the field for all three downs. He brings in the signals. He's heady. He doesn't make mistakes, right? He's, he's rock solid with the ability to play the full 53 and a third, which is, you know, like... Uh, rock solid and then sideline to sideline influence that's there's less than 15 linebackers that can do that right like i said tremaine edmonds was better edmonds is not rock solid edmonds is very mercurial yeah. he's also like a hundred times edwards's Freak size yeah. yeah exactly can run a four four and so like you know it's in this defense you'd rather have an edwards than an edmonds because you need to be able to set your watch to him you need to be able to leave him on the field right and and, and they obviously leave edmonds on the field for all three downs but they just get more ups and downs out of him so that's your case I don't find that to be a super compelling case because I prefer impact play. I prefer splash play. I I, I need high level coverage, which I don't think Edwards has, but that's, that's your case for it. Yeah, I think he's he's smart. I think he's got great instincts. He doesn't make mistakes. Like we, I can't remember. It's very rare that we come on and do the all twenty two thing and be like TJ Edwards made a mental mistake that led to a bust. Like I can remember the yeah. Cowboys game. It was yeah he he didn't you know all right he got beat by Dalton Schultz for a twenty plus yard completion and uh, but I think for the most part like even even that I, I think he's because I don't think he's been like a liability in coverage. I wouldn't want him you know playing a great tight end in man coverage ten times in a game but honestly I think a lot of linebackers like we always whenever anyone has this conversation it's like Fred Warner Fred well there's one Fred Warner like there are just aren't a lot of guys who are comfortable doing that so my uh, first team for linebackers which we'll talk about this in a second yeah is Fred Warner Roquan Smith and David Long Jr. 
Matt Milano, I would have also the other Buffalo linebacker. I was really close to getting him first team, him and David Long. And the reason those four guys are in that conversation is because of what they do in coverage. It's a rarefied group, right? And you do you, one eighth of the NFL teams has that guy, but it's because of what they can do with their back to the with the quarterback, with their with the back to the receiver. Like just it's the instincts, it's the range. It's just like you know, saying TJ doesn't have that is okay. Like there are a lot of really good linebackers who don't. Right there, you go. All right, so see Dennis, he made he made the argument. I think he surprised uh, all of us with his response there. All right, question number four. Actually, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with question number. Wow, teaser. All right, we're back on the Ringers Philly special. Question number four from Matthew. Talking about your all pro team. I mean, the engagement on this thing. I feel like you do a night, you know, your, your social media usage. I mean, the engagement on this thing had to be nuts. What, how many people responded to this? Like 700? Uh, I'll go. So I'll take a look. It's so, not why I do it. I, when so I, I share so it. What do you do? Do you look at, and you, do you look at your mentions or you don't look at your mentions or you look at some of your mentions? What's your, what's your, <laughs> your old fire off takes there? Uh, yeah. And then I wonder, you know, if you're looking or not. No, I, I'll definitely look because I'm like, okay. you know, I'm just kind of interested. What do people think? I yeah. also like a lot of people are really funny. Like it just it tickles me. Like there's there's a uh, there's a, a Dr. Fauci hatred account that like not just like the profile picture is Dr. Fauci with a clown nose. Not just the like the display name is like I hate Dr. Fauci, but like the at is like Dr. Faux, like F-A-U-X-G, right? Like that's commitment to the bit. And this guy's just like screaming about Hassan Reddick. And I'm like, What's going on, man? Like, what's the situation? Like that 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 tickles me. I find that very funny. Oh um, but I, and then like there, and then what's cool is like in the mess of people who are really angry, there's people who ask like earnest questions, and I want to answer those because it's cool that you're being earnest despite the fact that, like everybody else is being really mean, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, but generally, I set it and forget it, baby. I send it, and then I have like you know quality of content filters on for my mentions, so I don't get a bunch of stuff. So I like, can't. Oh, Hayward. How do I do that? You gotta help me. It's in your settings. I got you, baby. I got oh, you. I got okay, you. all right. Cam Hayward responded and was like, "Bad because he wasn't on it. I didn't see it for a while." Oh, okay. And then someone had to send me Cam Hayward's tweet that you should probably respond to this. I was like, "Ask yeah, a good point." So there's there's ups and downs. Cam, hey, that's good. It's spreading. Yep, to Cam that's Hayward. how I discovered I don't follow Cam Hayward. Sorry, Cam. Yeah, that's a good thing. All right. So the question was zero pass rushers on Solak's all pro team from an Eagles team that was within a few sacks of the record. Would love to hear it discussed. So you had at edge uh, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, Matthew Judon, and Miles Garrett. So Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick does not make it. I have a take here, but let's let's hear yours uh, yours first on why those four and no Hassan Reddick. Yeah, so I I, I sat on Reddick versus Judon for quite some time. I ended up with, with Matt Judon. Uh, I was asked about why, and I, I I brought up what we've talked about a lot on this show, which is that Reddick, right, talking about mercurial players, right, talking about hot and cold. Like he'll have his cold streaks kind of vanish for a little bit. He has to win really early in the down, which has good aspects of it, but it has negatives as well. Versus Judon, he's just like a yeoman, right? Judon just goes to work. He's just chopping wood. It's more impactful against the run, right? He, he can beat different sorts of, of edges. And so I kind of went into all that and nobody liked it. And everybody thought that was dumb. So then I just said what it is, which is that I just think Judon's a little bit better of a player. They're really close. It's split in hairs. They're both outside linebackers they can drop and they're versatile and they can win early and and, and they have, they've, they've developed they've gotten better players over the course of their career i think juden's a little better i might be wrong you know we'll see what they look like over the next couple of years yeah. yeah people like you know 
that's the nature of, of an all pro list is as I put two names in the first slot, two names in the second slot and people go, okay, so you think Reddick's really bad? No, I just can't fit two names in one cell. That's, you know, I, I don't actually have a ballot too. Like, it's not like I'm like submitting this. This is just for me for my exercises. It's worth noting, like, you know, you're, you have Nick Bosa, 18 and a half sacks. Bosa has been lights out this year. I think that's an unquestionable. Then it's Hassan Reddick at 16, Miles Garrett at 16, uh, Matt Judon at 15 and a half, Alex Highsmith at 14 and a half, Michael Parsons at 13 and a half. It's a really dense group there in terms of like people talk about sack totals and like forced fumbles and, 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 you know, pass breakups. And like, it's just a lot of really productive edges. It becomes a flavor thing. Uh, in regards to the the success of the Eagles defensive line as a whole, uh, I like Hargrave was another guy I wanted to get in the defensive tackle room. Defensive tackle was so tough. Unbelievable defensive tackle play in the league this year. But I think that the collective success of the Eagles defensive line a little bit diminishes Reddick because everybody's eaten, right? Like if if I have a like I look at Miles Garrett's 16 sacks on a, a line where no one else is a, is a rush threat. Nobody else is scary. Nobody else demands attention. With a secondary that can't cover. Secondary that can't take routes away. His 16 sacks becomes more impressive to me than Reddick's 16 sacks, where I'm also worried about Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, and oh, even if I block up all those guys, there's a chance that Darius Slay and James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Avante Maddox make it so I can't even throw the football, right? So like, I, I hear you in terms of like, wow, the Eagles had such an incredible season producing sacks. How do they not have a guy on this list? But by the same token... You know, Brandon Graham set a career record for a reason. Javon Hargrave had 10 plus sacks for a reason. It's because this whole thing works holistically. And 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 that I think in 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 a perspective, if you know, in a way, has a little bit of a drain from Reddick's case. Now, how uh cognizant are you of like like you are a known Eagles fan not wanting to put like too many Eagles on a list like this, or does that not Shield? enter the equation? I at all? didn't even think I, if you had given me a hundred guesses as to who would have been the most upset thing <laughs> after the people I didn't did it on the list, I would, Reddick would have been 85. So you don't take that? Because I take it, sometimes I, when I, if I'm no. like going to say something very nice about an Eagles player with people knowing that I've covered the Eagles and I like don't want to come across as a homer. So t- yeah. sometimes I feel like in the past, I definitely overthink that, but that was not a I, I, so I didn't have Hertz as first or second. I had Mahomes first and Allen second. And that yeah. was a tough one. Like quarterback two is really, really tough. And as I send it, I was like, man, the Hurts people are going to get so mad at me again. And I got like three total Hurts comments. I got like 97,000 Reddit comments. Nobody said Hargrave. No one. Oh, who do you think has been a better player this year, Hargrave or Reddick? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you my uh, case for for both those guys right now. Uh, but, Hertz, I ex- who, who's I been better, better, Hargrave or Reddick? <laughs> yeah, you t- know it. No, I, th- I actually think it's a very tough question. I don't have you, uh, you obviously think it's Hargrave. I, I think it's Hargrave. I think that's a so difficult question. I think there is more scarcity of what Hargrave did this year than what Reddick did this year. I, I will say that. We talked about right. it. Was that on Extra Point Taken or on this pod about the injury no pass rush? Yeah, I have no idea. We've done <laughs> about 7,000 hours of podcast this year. All right, so here's my case for Reddick. I would have had Reddick on there instead of Judon. I would have Reddick as a second teamer. I thought the rest of your list was fine. I think uh, Bosa, to me, is the defensive player of the year. He, like you said, he leads the league in sacks, and I think he has 10 more quarterback or 14 more quarterback hits than any other player in the NFL. So he has a mm-hmm. very strong case. Micah Parsons, uh, to me, just watch the impact. The numbers are there. He fits. Miles Garrett on a bad defense, still getting it done week in and week out. Doesn't have the splat. You know, no one's really paying attention, but he is still producing. So I think those three are fine. I would have Reddick over Judon. Reddick, uh, 16. A lot of the numbers are close. Reddick, 16 sacks. Judon, 14 and a half. 
Redick, 60 pressures compared to 49 for Judon. That's from Next Gen Stats. If we use uh, PFF, Judon had one more. Redick, a higher pressure rate. Redick with more forced fumbles, uh, five compared to two. For Judon, and then I like uh, Brandon Thorne does the uh, true sack rate where he kind of yeah, looks at every cool. sack. And he had Reddick with eight high quality sacks, Judon with three. So I think Judon was more a beneficiary of the cleanup sacks, the oh, the quarterbacks, you know, stepping up in the pocket, and it's not my initial rush, but I'm gonna get to him, coverage sack, whatever. So Reddick had a higher sack score there. So I like Reddick over Judon. Um, in that spot. And then uh, defensive tackle, I actually had more of an issue with you than edge. Like I would have Reddick over Judon for the reasons I stated, but I thought your defensive tackles, man, I would, I'd be flipping people all around with these yeah. defensive tackles. So, so defensive tackle wasn't like you asked about, about like making a point with like an Eagles ranking. Yeah. I didn't do that with the Eagles. I absolutely did it with the defensive tackles okay. where like Chris Jones is incredible. This year. He's so, so, so good. But Jones gets the freedom to rush the passer. Like, no defensive tackle in the league besides Aaron Donald. Like, Jones just gets to go. Jeffrey Simmons, the stuff that Simmons has to do for that Titans defense, the amount of, of pressure he gets after, like, initially two-gapping is, like, bananas to me. And then Dexter Lawrence, I've been a Dexter Lawrence fan for forever. Oh, he had an and, awesome year. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence has, like, 20 more pressures from nose tackle alignment than, like, any other player. Like, the next closest is, like, DJ Jones, who was, like, four. It's, like, a ridiculous spread. Yeah. So, I... I, on the first brush of my list, I had Chris Jones as a first teamer, and I sent it to some people, and we were talking about it, and then I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the switch. So that one is definitely a little bit of like a needle. There also is fun in when you're going to put something like this out there to go a little bit against the grain. I mean, that, that's how I feel when I'm doing it. You don't want to just do what everyone else is doing. So you had Jeffrey Simmons and Dexter Lawrence, first team, Quinnen Williams and Chris Jones, second team, no Javon Hargrave. I would actually have your second teamers as my first teamers. You just mentioned it. I mean, I thought Chris Jones could be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Absolutely. This year, 15 sacks, 10 more hurries than any other defensive tackle. I hear what you're saying about maybe he's in an easier spot. I thought Jeffrey Simmons, if we did this at the halfway point of the season, I could see this. I thought the injury certainly affected him uh, down yeah. the stretch. And listen, the numbers were still good, but I would have left him off uh, off of the all-pro uh, teams completely, just, just kind of missing out as maybe the fifth guy there. So I would have had Chris Jones and Quinnen Williams, who I thought was unbelievable this year. Those would have been my two first-team all-pro defensive tackles, and I would have gone with Dexter Lawrence and Javon Hargrave as my second-team all pro. I mean, Javon Hargrave, 11 sacks, second in hurries to Chris Jones, second in pass rush production to Quinn and Williams, uh, fourth in that sack score that Brandon Thorne does between Jones, Quinn and Williams and JJ Watt. Um, and so I think all the, uh, you know, he, he really checked pretty much every, uh, every box for me and had a career year. So I would have had both those guys on there, Reddick and Hargrave, but both as second teamers, uh, second team all pros. So what you're saying is you would not have Cam Hayward on your list. No, I, I haven't. I haven't looked at Cam Hay. I didn't look at Cam will, Hayward closely. I will I be informing Cam Hayward of this. <laughs> okay. Now you did have you had AJ Brown first team, right? Yep. And I yeah. Darius Slay second team, and I like Bradbury. I was like, going to ask: Was Slay versus Bradbury uh, tough for you? It was. That's it was tough for me. It, it, it was. I think that Slay right. He gets a little bit more on his plate, just where where they align him and who they align him opposite. Um, the problem was i was doing it with the the uh, the uh 
positions that you're supposed to do it with because i was talking with with it with other people and they were like yeah this year it's three linebackers on the ballot which meant i only had four corner spots two first team two second team which is ridiculous and if i had oh. more than yeah if i had enough corner spots brad Bray would have made it what but year I is this only get, i mean yeah, what it's exactly what i ridiculous. said ridiculous ignore that nonsense what do you mean you were talking to people tell them they're dumb and do it the way you're supposed to do it what is that L- who plays I, I was two, talk- plays two cornerbacks i was talking to Lindsay because Lindsay and i were kind of like going through <laughs> oh, sorry, Lindsay. her ballot yeah <laughs> Exactly. Watch it there. It's our boss. <laughs> and Lindsay was like, I, she sent, she sent over. She's like, yeah, three linebackers. And I was like, I don't, I can't. What do you mean three linebackers? And she was like, that's what we got to vote for this year. I was like, that's dumb. It's she doesn't wrong. make the rules. Yeah. The rules. Are, yeah. Even though the one that the NFLPA put out, I mean, they were using a fullback in there, right? I think I saw yeah. for their Yeah, the team, NFLPA so. had Kyle Juszczyk as a first teamer, which I respect. I'm into that. That's great for me. I feel, well, how about don't they sometimes do like that you can add like a flex position as a 12th or something? I I, I think they do there's something right. like that. That would yeah. there's a, there are very easy ways to solve this. Uh, I don't care that much about it. Uh, neither of us get to actually vote, so who cares? But that's how I would have it there. So you had AJ Brown and Slay. Am I missing anyone else? I thought Goddard, man, they screwed Goddard. I feel like if they would have thrown the ball to Goddard more uh, when he came back, he could have easily taken that spot from George Kittle. But you had Kittle as your second team uh, tight end. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. You had, oh, you had Kelsey. You had Lane Johnson. I'm not trying, I'm trying to make sure we include everyone who you had on there so people don't yeah. get mad. I had a lot of Steelers fans very upset with me for having no Steelers. Minka Fitzpatrick just sitting there, first team safety. No blink. And they were like, <laughs> where's Cam Hayward? Where's TJ Watt? Guys, I'm begging you to read. I'm begging you. I know Bengals. Bengals fans are very upset about that. But if I had a, if I had a nickel spot, then Mike Hill would have made it. You know what? I'm thinking about the Bengals, and I don't. I mean, their best. Their their best. Chase was injured. Burrow. Indeed, you could make the case. I, I, I thought about Burrow for second team quarterback. Yeah. I wouldn't have had him above Hertz or Allen, though. He would end up being four for me. Uh, DJ Reader is a great guy. If defensive tackle wasn't the most loaded position this year, and he was injured uh, for a bit. Yeah, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are both solid linebackers. To me, they're like third team guys, right? I don't I don't rank them above. The, you could have snuck dudes. it. Yeah, you could have snuck in a Bengal. You could have snuck in an off ball linebacker. I think, but that's yeah. it. Who right, were your yeah, safeties? Yeah. Uh, Minka and Derwin, first team. Second team, I had Talanoa Hufanga and Antoine Winfield. Um, okay, so the, you can uh, make a Bates argument, right? You you could. I think that like it's tough to get him above like Simmons and Poyer. Uh, Byard, right, also can, can be on that list. All of those guys had great years this year. If I had a flex spot, that nickel spot, I would have tried to get Kyle Duggar in there out of New England because okay. he's basically a linebacker the way they use him. He's awesome. So yeah, safety also. Uh, t- after Minka and Derwin, it's tough. You should just do do your own positions next next time. If we if we don't get to vote on them anyway, yeah. just do them how I, you I wrote them. Yeah. Add the flex. Do what you I want. I wrote a piece Here's last year that was be. basically just like here's players that I like, and it went pretty well actually. It was just yeah, like here's a list Solak of cool players on TV. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, idea. Right. I love reading right. those pieces. Why'd you bag it this year? You're doing 400 other things. That's fine. I'll be honest. I forgot about it until this conversation. <laughs> All right. That's how you spend your afternoon. There you go. Look for the Solak All-Pro team on the ring. All right. Uh, Question number five. Patrick, in the off chance that the Eagles play Dallas this postseason, would that be the most hyped up, biggest playoff game in Lincoln Financial Field history? I have never smoked crack, but I imagine beating the Cowboys at home would be the closest thing to that. You know, that question reminds me. I had a friend 
who, I mean, he did not do drugs, but then he would always make these comments like, the reason I don't do cocaine is because like, I would be uncomfortable snorting something into my nose. And we're like, that's the reason why you wouldn't do coke. So I, I guess that I don't know if that's what Patrick's saying or not. Don't <laughs> kids, don't do drugs. Uh, drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. So okay. I was not ready for just like the Shilkapadian narrator <laughs> voice to go. I've never smoked crack. Like whoa, I didn't know that was coming. I, that, that's how he said it. I read it how he said it. I had some thoughts on this. Uh, the most hyped up playoff game. So obviously, 2017 NFC Championship game against the Vikings. Dreams and nightmares as they're warming up. Mm -hmm. One of the great videos in Eagles history. Chris Long, you know, said once they played that song before the game, he knew they weren't losing and they were going to the Super Bowl. Everyone in the stands, everyone watching felt, yeah, everyone uh, felt the same. So I think that's one that you're competing with. Uh, 2008, week 17, they get the help from the Raiders beating the Bucks and the Texans beating the Bears, and they faced the Cowboys in a winner goes to the playoffs game at the. He Lynn. said biggest playoff game. You can't. Oh, did that's he, a regular did season he say game. playoff? You're right. Yeah. Okay, so I don't include that well, one. So the only other the one. Uh, so 2017 and then 2003, probably underrated NFC Championship game. First season at the link, you had fourth and 26 the week before against the Packers. You're facing yeah, right. Jake freaking Delhomme. You think this has to be it. It didn't work out last year at the vet. This has to be it. And then you lose to the Panthers. So I know he said Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, before I read that, I thought that the hardest one to beat would have been 2002, the final year at the vet. NFC Championship game, Brian mm-hmm. Mitchell with the big kickoff return, Deuce Daly with the 20-yard touchdown. You go up 7-0 against Brad Johnson, and then you lose. But I just I was in the stands that day, and just after that kickoff return and that touchdown, like I would have, if I had any money at the time, which I didn't, I would have put all of it on the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. You would not have been able to convince me that they were going to lose, and they did lose. So uh, what do you think? Cowboys? Oh, man, that, that would have some juice. What, what's today? Wednesday? Uh, so about nine days from now, facing the Cowboys at the link, where does that rank on kind of your juice meter compared to those other ones? It's, do I know if it's divisional round or conference championship? Good question. Why don't you if give me an answer if for it, both? If it's conference championship, there's no question. Yes. Yeah. I if it's division, right. if it's division round, it's tricky just because like for as much as like Cowboys hate, is a thing like as of as i record right now i'm looking at my office strewn with cowboys paraphernalia because i had friends watching my house while i was gone for new year's and while they were here they covered my office in cowboys things which was very fun for them yeah so i got a little got little cowboys flags and everything um i hate that team but the scale divisional round to to conference championship is a big jump so i think if it's a if the conference championship game no question if it's just the divisional round i don't think it comes in over 38 to 7 uh especially because uh, the vikings game especially because having beaten the falcons and gone through that ugly game and and seeing the rest of the field was blake bortles and case keenum and there was kind of a sense of like really and then once you get what, what like the anticipation once that team got in the stadium and the music started playing it was like okay this is this is an environment right now like, even before kickoff you know so i don't know if a divisional round cowboys game would come in above that but a conference championship game would I think you nailed it. I will 100% agree there. Yeah, divisional round, it's not going to be better. It's not going to be more hyped up than that championship game against the Vikings. But if it's an NFC championship against the Dallas Cowboys with the chance to go to the Super Bowl, then yes, I can't imagine anything reaching those levels of hype. All right, question number six. Unexpected upside 
says, love the show. Who would you rather have healthy in the playoffs, Avante Maddox or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? Would love your thoughts on their abilities, Ooh. roles, and versatility. Uh, I thought this was a quick question. Just real quick housekeeping. Nick Sirianni said that uh, he's hopeful for Josh Sweat to be able to play in the divisional round. I think he said trending in the right direction. So if you assume that Lane Johnson is going to give it a go, which I think is the assumption, and you assume that you get Josh Sweat back, you are talking about 21 of 22 starters healthy for that divisional round game, which is just completely unheard of. Now, listen, by the second quarter, it could be totally different. Specifically, Lane Johnson, who knows how long he can get out there and play, even, you know, some other guys. But uh, that's a great place to start. But Maddox versus Gardner Johnson, what do you think? That's really tough. Yeah. I wish I knew more about how well Chauncey's going to play in the slot, like in terms of just like straight coverage. It's probably Chauncey because he gives you versatility, right? And if you need to, you can move him to safety and you can put just on the field. You can change packages a little bit more. And like, if there's anything that, that Gannon needs more of, it's like versatility and changing looks and kind of having those players who can do that for him. But that's, that's, that's tough because it'd be so much like if he's not the coverage player that Maddox is, then you just want Maddox to set it and forget it and know that you have a good three good corners. Maybe it's Maddox. I don't know. Pass. Cliff. <laughs> Someone else. <laughs> I, I went slight. I leaned slight Maddox, uh, you know, for the reasons you said. I think Maddox has just the last two years when he's been healthy, he's been awesome. I mean, go back to great. last year and this year. Really one of the best slot corners. I love his demeanor. I, I love his playing style. And Gardner Johnson, to be fair, has been that guy at slot corner in the past. I mean, he's been a great slot corner. So you can, you know, make the leap that he should be great playing slot corner for you going forward, but there's a little bit of an unknown just because he doesn't have all those reps in this scheme. So uh, I think Gardner Johnson has been fine at safety. I don't think he's been unbelievable at safety. And so I would lean slight Avante Maddox there. All right. Question seven from Steve. I want them to win as much as possible during the Jalen Hurts era. Howie Roseman is a builder, not a maintainer. How concerned are you about the defense long-term what date do they start re-signing free agents? Also, what's the one thing they have to do right in this year's Super Bowl? Love the pod. Uh, I don't think, you know, I mean, the date thing, that's, you know, they, they could have uh, extended guys and, and now uh, we'll wait for the league year to begin. But specifically, how concerned are you about the defense long term? And what's the one thing they have to do right to win this year's Super Bowl? You want me to start? <sighs> defense concern long term? Like, it's absolutely there because they're old and it's a ton of money, but, like, you can only be so concerned, right? Like, you can't just go, like, all right, well, like, Fletch and Hargrave might go and Chauncey might go and, and Bradbury might go and all of those guys, like, most of those guys are over 30, so it's going to be bad. They're going to have opportunities to to fix it. Well, I agree that Howie is not as good of a uh, maintainer as he is a builder. It's It's... It's always runs. It's always lulls and swells, man. Like, like there is, there are very, 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 very few, if any, general managers who consistently draft well above expectation year in and year out. Right? Rebuilding is so much like saying how he's better builder than he is maintainer. Like most general managers are, because when you're building, usually you have a lot of draft space, a lot of draft capital, and a lot of cap space because you just tore something down. Right? So you just have like a wider range to hit. 
So I'm like, I am, I am concerned. Like the the first thing that'll happen whenever the season ends, be it two Sundays from now, five Sundays from now, or anything in between, the first thing will be like, all right, who in the defense can they retain? Who will they retain? And how much trust are they going to put in these over thirty year olds? That's a real thing. But it's it's not worth it's not worth getting like like you know tied up about it because it's the nature of football. Like the Eagles could be drafting 18 overall like the Lions and have just missed the playoffs and they could be drafting five overall and 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 be a total mess they could be like the Saints right and and it, this is always the the, the calculus who, how old are my guys what's their health what's the cap gonna look like and, and who can I retain who can I not so it's concerning but I, I wouldn't get too tied up about it so the following play well first of all the defense is going to regress next year whether or not they have Jonathan Gannon. So if Gannon goes somewhere and you have a new D coordinator and you're reading charts at week 14 of next year saying, oh, you know, everyone ripped Gannon. Look, the defense is worse. It's not just going to be because of coaching. Now, maybe they'll hire a coordinator who stinks and is worse than him. That's possible. But they had the second easiest schedule of opposing offenses in the NFL this year. They had the fourth highest EPA on turnovers this year, which is tough to just count on year in and year out. And they got amazing injury luck. As we just said, they could have 10 10 of 11 starters healthy for the divisional round. So that's, you know, they've been healthy for most of the season. Those things are all unlikely to happen again in 2023. So I do think the likelihood is that the defense takes a step back. And then you have the player turnover, which you mentioned following guys, eight of 11 sort of core starting players uh, are free agents after the year. Marcus Epps, James Bradbury, TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Linville Joseph. If you don't want to count Joseph, then 7 of 11, but that's still a lot. And I thought they would re-sign a couple of those guys during the season. That's typically been what they've done, but they didn't do that. So they're going to have a lot of decisions to make uh, after the season. Oh, the one thing with Reddick, I forgot not to bring the Reddick conversation back up, but I meant to say, I think you overstate how kind of uh, mercurial or hot and cold he is. Oh, I mean, we're going back. Oh, okay, we're running back. Sorry, well, I got to well, go I, back. <laughs> I, for, I forgot. I just remembered. I forgot to say that. I mean, I think he impacts the game pretty consistently on a week-to-week basis where he does something you know there were some times earlier in the season but man he's on he's been uh just on an absolute Mm -hmm. heater and i think that's just the nature of that position so i i don't agree with that criticism of reddick i think he he, he played and he plays uh he plays really hard he gets those cleanup sacks and those cleanup plays in addition to the ones where you just see him flat out uh beat the opposing tackle yeah Right. I, I, Sorry the to first go back half, to that. No, no, no. The first half of the season, I think that like I, I, I feel very, I feel good about that opinion, and I remember debuting it in the middle of the season, and then in the last like nine weeks, he's had at least a half sack in every single game, and he has yeah. like you know like eleven sacks or something. Right. He's he's had a, he's had a really really good stretch. I think that like you know, uh, while there there are fluctuations in game, the ten sacks in each of the last three seasons for three separate teams does speak for itself. Every time I talk about Reddick, I talk about some of the, the disappearancing, this, the disappearance. But I also talk about the fact that like this guy can finish, man. It, the way that he turns a pressure into a sack is sick. So yeah. yeah anyway, <laughs> well, this leads to the, the second part of the question: was what's the one thing they have to do right to win this year's Super Bowl? And I think the pass rush has to dominate. If I'm identifying one thing, I mean, I think that could be the difference. If you're going up against like a Brock Purdy. And that offensive line, like you have the talent uh, advantage against that offensive line. And can you force a fumble? Can you force a turnover in a big spot? Same thing against Dak Prescott. Can the defensive line pass rush dominate? By the way, same thing in the Super Bowl. 
I mean, the Chiefs have a very good offensive line, but those tackles against your edge rushers in pass protection, advantage Eagles, the Buffalo Bills. Their O-line against your pass rush, advantage Eagles. Bengals, no contest with their two injuries on the right side of their offensive line, advantage Eagles. So I do think if the Eagles make a Super Bowl run, get there, win the Super Bowl, this pass rush is going to be the story pretty much week in and week out. Do you have another answer for what's the one thing they have to do right to win this year's Super Bowl? Uh, they have to find ways to disrupt elite quarterbacks. No, nothing's going to matter if they get to the Chiefs and just play their ball. Do you remember that Mahomes game last year? I don't think they punted, they punted right? They had 52 points? I think it was the highest, based on EPA per drive, I think it's like the best offensive performance of any team in the last however many years. Yeah. Yeah. Let, 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 let's run it back real quick. Chiefs had 42 points. Mahomes was 24 for 30 for 278 yards, five touchdowns and a pick. So he had five touchdowns and six total incompletions. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 14 carries, 102 yards. Tyreek Hill had 186 yards and three touchdowns. They had their drives were touchdown, 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 interception, touchdown, 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 end of game. You got it. Like the one thing that they got to do is they have, they're going to, <laughs> Cliff was at the game. Cliff I would love was to hear at that game yeah. too, Cliff. Are you, you're not going to any like playoff games, are you? I mean, the, the fans are going to riot. Okay. I feel okay. like I'm a curse every time I go to an Eagles game. I literally, the last game I went to, which was obviously on New Year's Day, I literally watched Marshall and Lattimore get that pick six off of Garden Minshew. I was sitting on that side of the end zone and watched that happen. And the year before um, the Chiefs game we're talking about here, which was like the the highest rated game you guys are talking about from EPA yeah. standpoint, yeah. I was in the stands. It was a hot, super hot day because I was at the top. Shout out to uh, Deja. She's a tra- uh, Eagles cheerleader. That's one of my best friends, girlfriends, and she gave us tickets for the game. And it was one of the hottest days. Mahomes and them were just going down the field, doing whatever they wanted. Not one drive was stopped. Like, I'm up there, you know, a couple drinks in, falling asleep. <laughs> get the hell out of here. Uh, time I go to Eagles, it's like bad luck. So I'm not going to any Eagles playoffs games at all. Uh, that, that Chiefs game, I just looked it up. The past nine years, that's the... <laughs> That's crazy. The last nine years in the regular season, highest EPA per drive of any offense yeah. in the NFL. So, yes, so that thing, was not and, a shining moment. Yeah, we have not seen Gannon play the Bills and we have uh, for the Eagles, and we have not Nor seen Gannon play the to, Bengals. If you are an Eagles yeah. fan, listen we to saw this. the Chargers once, right? Herbert ate him alive last year, right? You got if you're going to win the Super Bowl, you are going to play a, a, a elite quarterback or a Mahomes Allen tier quarterback, which is like if elite was better, you got to have something in the bag. And, like, it's the last week of the season, man. Yeah. You got two weeks to prepare. <laughs> Please have something in the bag. All right. So we're, we're on the same page. Dis- disrupt, pass rush has to be a key. All right. Question number eight. Brian asks, given how much they had to limit the playbook with Gardner Minshew, do you expect them to target a more mobile backup quarterback this offseason for continuity's sake in the event of Hurts missing time and, as Ben always says, to raise the floor of the offense in that situation? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good way to get your... your uh your question on is to do a little call out. Like, oh, <laughs> well, I'm a bad to... way if I'm picking the questions, but yeah. True. Know. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> um, yes, but not necessarily. They are in the business of quarterback development, right? We are a quarterback factory. I think that they are going to take players that they think have a developmental interest, right? Like they're, they're the second they knew that the Jags might trade away Gardner Minshew because urban Myers got 
you know, he's obsessed with quarterback size and he wants a big player. Like, yeah, Gardner, sure. We've seen him play. He's got some good stuff. Let's bring him in the building. Let's see what he likes, see what he doesn't like. What is this? What can we do here, right? They're, they're always going to be that way. Like, think about it for how long they were enamored with Nate Sudfeld. Concrete feet. But boy, was he sick. Boy, was he 6'7". Oh, he was all of 6'7". Oh, it's such a great 6'7". You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll there. stand by my take that Nate Sudfeld is like one of the greatest teammates the Eagles have had in the building in a long time. <laughs> when I was covering the team every day, I mean, his he had more interaction with everybody on the roster than like anybody else uh, be a on the team. He's a great quarterback coach. So I can see why great they like him. Yeah, coach. maybe he should yeah. get into coaching. Sorry, go ahead. So I just think, right, like they, you know... They are constantly cycling in quarterbacks of different prototypes. Flacco, Ian Book, Reed Sinnott. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, they're just, they're just touching base on everybody. So they are, I think that they're going to look at mobile guys because I think that a lot of mobile quarterbacks have been overlooked for what value they can bring. And I think that there's, you know, we're, we're still figuring out just how valuable scrambling is. But like, yeah, could they have Bryce Perkins and John Walford in the building tomorrow? Sure. Could they also have freaking Drew Locke and Nate Peterman? Wouldn't surprise me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just going to invest in quarterback. So I think that you could see it, but I don't think that they're going to force themselves into one, one particular prototype. I do like the idea, though. You know, if you're right. Obviously, you just, you know, you take whoever the best player is or whoever you think is the best backup. But I do like the idea, in theory, of getting somebody who can, you can still run some, some the zone read stuff with him, and he has to be uh, considered a threat there. I also like the idea of like the, the guy with scrambling ability, like the make a play type backup quarterback. Cause if a guy just has to go in, in the middle of a game, like, I don't know, that feels like I have no data to back this up, but the guy who could just kind of run around and make a few plays, it's usually the guy who has some success rather than the guy who's more of a statue back there. So I know we talked about PJ Walker in the past. I think he's a restricted like PJ? Uh, free yeah. agent, but he would be interested. I think I like the idea of maybe a Josh Dobbs as a backup more than you do. I wouldn't be uh, opposed to that. I mean, what he showed as a backup quarterback, you're laughing. Come what on, as showed. a backup quarterback, he can run a little zone read. He's got the physical tools. You can use that uh, engineering story 400 times a year and talk about his GPA, a fellow bald man like myself. So we can talk about that uh, in the locker room <laughs> if I'm in there. So I thought he was an option. Here's one guy, as I was looking at the list today, who would definitely be pricey, and I don't think they would, but knowing how much Nick Sirianni loves him, Jacoby Brissett is a free mm. agent. Now, he's going to be on the high end of backups. There's even, I guess, a possibility that a team would say, come in and compete for the starting job. But I would say that's one to kind of file away, because that's like Nick Sirianni's uh, favorite player in the NFL. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking, hey, we're in the business of winning Super Bowls, and if Hertz goes down, we need someone who's really good. Uh, I don't know that they'll spend their money there, but that's somebody maybe to keep an eye on. All right. Question number nine. Do you think the Eagles, uh, this is from better him than me says, do you think the Eagles will pull, pull out a trick play in the playoffs? And if it is successful, what should it be called since the Philly special is taken? Also thinking about how to prep for cold weather playoff games at the link. What is the one body part that no matter what, you do. You can't get cold or it ruins your experience. For me, it's my ears, but could be convinced of nah. toes. I said this one's a clip. Okay, go ahead. Answer that one first. It's got to be your butt. It's got to be the tuchus. Yeah. How, how often is your butt that get cold? You ever sit on like metal bleachers? Like that have been out in like freezing cold? Yeah, but and you, you got, you're in a you proper got insulation. pushing back there. I do not. Unfortunately, I wish. <laughs> I, I, that's not something I'm carrying. I'm not I've got a wagon I'm talking around. So no, absolutely. It's it's that experience of sitting down and then your butt that's being super crazy. freezing. That's your most insulated body part is your butt cheeks. 
I like to like the thing is like I like being cold, right? I like I like my fingers are cold right now, <laughs> my toes are cold right now. I like it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I remember I was at Western Michigan game, Western Michigan Buffalo, and Corey Davis was at Western Michigan. It was a PJ Flag Pistol coach in there, and it sat in the uh, in, in the bleachers to watch that game. Is the first ever thing I went to, like go like, scout a player. And the one thing that I didn't bring was a, a blanket for the, the bleachers, a blanket for the stands, right? And so I was like, all right, got my gloves, got my hat. It's snowing. It was sick. It was such a cool environment, but I couldn't stay the whole game because my butt was just freezing off. So butt is the correct answer. I think the, the butt is a, is, a, is a wild answer and a wildly incorrect answer. I would say yeah. it's very simple to me. It, it, it's your hands or your feet. I mean, when your hands are numb and inside the gloves, you know, do you, you ever make the fist inside the gloves because you just need like the skin on skin to warm it up? Uh, that to me is number one. I hate when the hands are just numb and you're just like, this is terrible. So I do like, we used to go when we would go to the vet or the link in the cold weather games, my dad would get the... Did, these were the latter years. We would get the hand warmer things. You put them in the pocket and it just yep. feels like there's a fire in your pockets and you put them in your so pockets. So what you're saying is that's an easy the, thing to solve because I agree. You could put those on your butt. A little, a little hand warmer. You're going to need a lot butt. of them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then the other one is the feet. I mean, you can put as many socks on as you want um, and, and there are options for that. So I, I do agree that there's more solutions for that. But man, when those feet goes numb, go numb. That's the worst. Cliff, what, what do you have for uh, worst uh, body part to get cold. It's got to be the hands, right? Like yeah, when, whenever you, you whenever you out, some sense. Whenever you out, and then it's it's brick outside. Like I like to say, I, you know, I live up here. <laughs> I've lived up in the Northeast all my life. I used to live in Connecticut when I was working at ESPN, and it would get super duper cold at nighttime. I'd wake up sometimes. Well, when I was working on the show, I, I'd wake up at like three in the morning, and the first thing I would feel is my face. And my hands, because I don't do gloves. Like I'm not a gloves person, so I don't. What, what do you mean you don't do gloves? Do you listen, never put gloves on? Yeah. When I was, right, this listen, is the person listen, you're aligned with, Shio. Right, no, 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 he's complaining about his hands being cold. He doesn't right, wear gloves. Now listen. he's just letting. Now he's not afraid to let his takes fly. No, 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 no. He's no. A, <laughs> This is not a crazy hot take. When I was a kid, we would wear gloves to throw snowballs at each other. But if I'm just like going from like the store or something like that, I'm not like looking. Looking around, looking for the gloves, like I'm just. Right, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, I would agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that too, right? I'm not throwing on gloves. This is not 1940. I got driving gloves. <laughs> yeah. We uh, yeah. do they have cars in 1940? When I'm talking about Shield or not Shield Cliff, yeah. NFC Championship game, you're going Eagles yeah. Cowboys, and yeah. and it's it's going to be you know 10 degrees and snowing. You're bringing gloves, right? Oh, I mean. I got a hoodie. I got the little hoodie yeah. pocket thingy going on. I'll be, good. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be good. You can tough it out. Listen, how am I? Go- you can't grip the drinks. Like if you got the gloves, I don't got the gloves with the grip or the text thingy on there, so I can't text. Oh man, for Christmas clip, I'm gonna get you a pair of like yeah, average gloves and just blow your mind. For Christmas yeah. from like two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, yeah right. Run it back. I'm still waiting on that present. <laughs> I would agree that gloves are for a prolonged period of time outside. Yeah. If I'm just in and out somewhere, even if it's really cold, I'm not bringing the gloves. You have to be doing something uh, outside there. All right. So Cliff agrees hands. Uh, ben has a wild time in the butt. I can't even get over. Uh, the other part of this question, and we got actually a couple questions about the trick play thing. There, there are multiple questions about this. People wondering, they're thinking, hey, Eagles go on a run here. Are they going to pull out some type of trick play? I was trying to remember. This year, have we seen? Have they had like anything that would really qualify? Have they had like a double pass or anything? Am I forgetting any? I, I don't remember many trick plays, if any, that they've had. So, uh, and I and I threw this one to Cliff too. So, uh, Ben, you can go first, and then Cliff. Do you see any kind of trick play coming? And if so, do you have a name for it? I don't think 
They might have done a flea flicker. I don't think they've done like a. They have like they've done like the back screen, but like it's not even really a trick play. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've done a trick play, and you can't name a trick play before it happens. You gotta let it happen, let it breathe. You have to have it, let it have its, its organic space. We didn't decide Philly special until we heard the the audio. You know what I'm saying? You gotta it saying, call naturally. your shot. He's saying call your shot. Okay, all right. So you don't have one, Cliff. What do you got? And listen, I got the foresight here, right? This is all this is all gonna work <laughs> out this way. All right, hear me out. Hear me out. Shill, Shill and Ben, who retired in Philadelphia this year? Uh, you know, long time, long standing uh, Philadelphia citizen. Who retired this year? Ray Dinger. No, 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 no. No, okay. Uh, long standing Philadelphia. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. No, Shill, are you kidding last me? Year. Whoa, Shill, are you kidding me? Not Ray Dinger. Who retired? Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> Who was it was Jim Gardner. Are you kidding me? Oh, okay. Literally never heard this name before. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there. I know. I know. Yeah, okay, Jim. I would think it's four sports. Sorry. All right. Jim Gardner, yeah. the legend, so, of course, who gets the, the shout out on Gardner. Abbott Elementary uh, yep, all the time. Yep. He did the he did the uh, Eagles fight song before the Saints game that ended up tragically with Marshawn Lattimore getting a pick six. But hear me out. Jim Gardner special, right? It's going to be Ooh. a flea flicker okay. of Gardner Minshew throwing a bomb to Brady wow. Kobe for 46 yards and a touchdown <laughs> to make up for all the wrong. How did those two players get on the field at the same time? Yes. <laughs> Listen, tell me if that's not the ultimate trick play. How did uh, Trey Burton and Nick Foles end up? <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if, if at any point in this playoff run, Gardner Minshew it. and Brent Cover on the field at the same time. I will be in disarray. My house will be thrown apart. I'll be pacing. I'll be in a terrible place if we arrive with those two players on the field for a snap. It's, it's the playoffs, baby. Anything can happen. So I'm calling it right now. It. The Jim Gardner okay. special. Gardner mentioned like to bring Kobe for 46 yards. It's, it's just written like that, bro. I, like, it can't happen any other way, right? <laughs> okay. Beautiful. I'm glad I asked you before. That lived up to the expectations. I have this one. How about uh, a little Cam Jurgens in the red zone? goes out, you know, is eligible, goes out for a pass, catches a touchdown, and the, they call it beef jerky because I, I realized doing my research for the pod that he has his own brand of beef jerky called beef oh. jerky. So, you know, they just Jalen Hurts goes to the side, beef jerky, should we do beef jerky? Yeah, beef jerky. Then they come back out. Jergens, who was recruited, I believe, as a tight end to Nebraska, uh, catches a pass in the end zone, maybe in the NFC Championship game against the Cowboys. So that's what I will go with. But... We'll see. Yeah, I just checked. No other player other than Hertz or Minshew has thrown a pass this year. So if they've had a trick play that we're forgetting, it would be a flea flicker because there ha- there hasn't been anybody else. Yeah, I can see the them pass. doing a little double screen pass, right? And like throw it to Devontae and then Devontae throws it to A.J. Brown. I mean, they might just be that. like, let's not be let's not become famous for right. something really stupid and try this, try this in the playoffs. All right. Last question. This one I just gave to Cliff because you and I are not going to be able to answer this. Chris May asks, if Hollywood did a Ringer Philly movie, who would be the cast to play uh, all of you? And I just presumed, you know, uh, us two and uh, us two and Cliff. Who would play us? So I can't. Cliff's either gonna uh, make us really happy or make us really mad with whoever he chooses uh, for these for these people. Cliff, what do you got? All right, all right. So another one. <laughs> Hear me out again, right? So Ben, you know you're a young male. I'm sure you know you're into the Marvel stuff. You're into the comics. You're into all that, right? Yeah. You know, you know who I'm about to reference. Say right the here. name. Tom Holland. Yes, sir. Okay, so. <laughs> 
I look like a lot of actors because I'm a generic looking white dude and a lot of actors are generic <laughs> white guys, right? And so I get like I get the Nazi kid from Knives Out a lot. Uh I got Toby McGuire quite sometimes. I get like a lot of ones that are not so great. And then one time I had an Uber driver in North Carolina. And he was like, man, you look exactly like Tom Holland. And that's the biggest tip I've ever given out in my entire life. Was you, that Uber dress, you dress like him too, yo. Like you <laughs> I was I was suited up for a wedding. I was suited up for a wedding in that Uber. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I think Tom Holland yes. fits. So that's Shil, a good one. So Shil, for you. Yeah. My one of my favorite movies is Slumdog Millionaire, right? Oh, I love, I'm dead. I love, I love, yeah, I love the action. <laughs> Listen, if you was like five years younger with all the hair that he had. You would look like you would really look like Dev, yo. I did get that when the movie came out. Yeah, See? at first I'm like, man, you guys are just being racist just because he's the only Indian actor you see. But then I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right, yeah, no, I, I could see it. We do kind of look a little bit uh, like each other, so I can't. I'm glad you said that because sometimes I've been getting a little as I get older, a little John Turturro, and I'm like, Ooh, okay. I'd, listen, I'd rather have a little Dev Patel <laughs> than uh, Turturro. If you had, you had full, one, if you had a full yeah. head of hair, you would easily. Yeah, look he's like got Dev. nice hair. He's got real nice easily hair. look like Dev. Um, and for me, now who do you get? Y'all know I got some good acting skills. You know, <laughs> y'all, I'm all about action. I could get on the mic. I could talk my stuff. So you know, I could pull off like a Michael B. Jordan, right? Or Ooh. right, I could pull off like a Jonathan Majors type, even though we don't look alike. But you know, all that right. action, all that throw. If I was an OG, I could pull off like an Ice Cube and Friday type of role. Yeah, you know Ooh, what I, mean? I, like I was that. thinking Winston Duke. I think you look like Winston Duke, who plays um yeah uh, the the antagonist in, in the first Black Panther. But I can't remember his name. Yeah, the, the uh, Baku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Homie, you, I, I can see Winston Duke. Yeah, yeah. but but I love I, Ice Cube. I'm Friday's like my favorite movie, and I see myself so much in that role of him playing uh myself <laughs> as like Craig because like. I had a uh, I had a neighbor that acted just like Smokey back in the day, and they used to say like he was like Craig and Smokey because my personality was like Craig and his was like Smokey. So I'm heavy on the ice. I see cube. ice cube. Uh, yeah, I, I'm heavy on the ice cube comparison, except you know maybe the hair a little bit, but you know I, I I think I could pull it off a little bit. You know I got okay. the skills. I got the skills. That was good. Yeah, that's outstanding. All right, so Ice Cube, Tom Holland, and Dev Patel. If you have uh, other suggestions uh use the hashtag ringer philly i'm not going to read the ones about me that are unflattering but i'll read the rest of them uh on the next podcast that w- that was excellent nice job by cliff all right i think that's gonna do it. now ben we did our official predictions on extra point taken but in case people didn't hear it let's let them know here you've got the eagles going where in the playoffs playing who how is this season ending yeah, NFC, I have the Niners winning against the Seahawks. I have the Cowboys winning against the Bucks, and I have the Giants beating the uh, the Vikings. That would give the Eagles the Giants in the in the divisional round, something that I think uh, is a game that they win. An opponent I think that they can beat. Niners-Eagles conference championship game, man. I think, as I see it right now, is an extremely close game. I, like, flip a coin on that one. I am currently picking the Niners because it makes me feel better emotionally. <laughs> uh, and also because I do think that, like, matchup wise and the way that D'Amico is able to blitz D'Amico Ryan's the DC of the Niners uh and then and then not knowing what Hurts exactly looks like just yet has me a little bit uncertain and I'm leading Niners very very likely that by the time we get to that game I've made up my mind in a different direction I've got more confident less confident I'm somewhere else um but as of right now I would have the Eagles as an NFC championship game exit not that's my opinion. <laughs> not gonna. Yeah, we we reserve the right. You know, week to week stuff happens, so we can definitely change as we give our official game predictions. We're on the same page with the NFC playoffs this weekend. We both think Cowboys, Niners, and Giants are going to win. We both think the Giants are coming to the link 
next weekend in the divisional round, which again, nothing's guaranteed, but I think that's pretty close to a best case scenario for the Eagles. So I've got the Eagles beating the Giants. I've got the Eagles facing the Niners in the NFC Championship. We both had the same matchup there in the NFC Championship. Uh, I think the Eagles beat the Niners. I, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, it's close. Their defense absolutely would scare me going into that game. But, man, if you can't take care of business against Purdy at home with that crowd, you got the advantage, then, again, you don't deserve to win the Super Bowl. So I think they beat the Niners. They go to the Super Bowl. They run into Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. And I think the Bills beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. So they get there, but they do not win it. So that's how we see it. We'll see what happens. We'll have official game predictions next week. It'll be exciting. Now, I think what we're going to do, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, we're going to see who the Eagles play. And once that's determined, we're pretty much going to try to do a podcast at some point this weekend. Correct? Is that the plan? Sure. Okay. I'll do whatever you guys we'll tell me to do. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a sheep. You, you okay. t- tell me where and when. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, if the if the Seahawks were to somehow win that game on Saturday, then we would just be like, let's do a podcast, and they're playing the Seahawks. Um, but that's not the most likely scenario. If the Giants win on Sunday, then we would know that the Giants are the pick, and we would do a podcast then. If, it's, if we don't know by then, if both those teams lose, then we will wait till Cowboys box, and then we'll have to figure it out because Ben and I will be on extra point taken that night. But don't worry. We'll figure it out. We'll get a podcast in your feed, and then we'll, of course, break it all down next week. All right. Thank you to Spotify and Ringer employee, full-time employee, uh, Cliff Augustine. Congratulations again to him. Uh, Cliff, give me the, uh, give me the, I know I asked you, give me the Twitter handle again, because people have been asking for it. So for all my Philadelphians out there, the Twitter handle is the Bull Cliff. You should know that. You should know that off reference. There you go. That bull means boy in Philly. That's right. So D-A-B-O-U-L-C-L-I-F-F. Also, I cannot change the handle because my university, Temple University, <laughs> sent me a jersey with the handle on the back of it. So That's there's awesome. why would you change I, the handle? Exactly. Yeah. Why would I yeah. change the handle? Yeah. I, gotta, yeah. I gotta stay, I gotta stay real, I gotta stay me, I gotta stay authentic. So therefore I'm never changing it anyway. The bull cliff. There you go. We'll we'll include that when we tweet out the episodes. I know everybody wants to uh follow. Cliff on there. Congrats to Cliff. Thank you to Cliff. Thank you to Benjamin Solak. We will be back talking about the Eagles divisional round opponent on the Ringers Philly special soon. Thanks to everyone for listening. 